Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. To his vehicle. The driver says the man claimed he lived at the home. The homeowner says the package contained a $1,600 iPad. That suspect did get away, and police say they have tied this car to another robbery last month. Stop taking stuff that doesn't belong to you. All right, I'm Nicole Burley. That is all for News Nation Now. Thank you for watching. We'll give you a look at our primetime lineup. First, the biggest headlines out of our capital. The Hill starts right now. All right, Florida is getting ready now. Less than 24 hours till Hurricane Idalia makes landfall in the Big Bend. It's being called the storm of the century, as was a hurricane last year. And it's already drawing comparisons to Hurricane Ian with good reason. That storm caused over $100 billion in damage less than one year ago. Live to Florida in a minute. Plus, two years since the disastrous U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the Taliban took over. The Biden administration now acknowledges it made mistakes. But Biden's approval ratings have yet to recover from the botched exit. And Pope Francis blocks American conservative Catholics for putting political ideology above faith. Now, these remarks highlight divisions within the U.S. Catholic Church. The Hill on News Nation starts now. I'm Leland Vitter, joined by an awesome panel here today. Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Emily Miller, conservative commentator and investigative journalist. Michael Starr Hopkins, Democratic strategist. And Bill McGinley, former Trump White House cabinet secretary. Nice to see all of you to the panel in a minute. We start with breaking news out of Florida, where Hurricane Idala is expected to make landfall overnight and it will not be the winds with this storm. It will be the 10 to foot, 15 foot storm surges that will crush the coastal communities of northern Florida. The projected path of the storm is here, although it could jog either east or west uh, in the next couple of hours. Uh, it will then go from Florida through the Panhandle up to Georgia and then into South Carolina as a Category 2 storm uh, as it comes uh, through northern Florida. Stephanie Haynes live in Panacea on the Gulf Coast south of Tallahassee, where already the outer bands have started to come ashore. Hi, Stephanie. Hey, Leland. Yep, we are in Panacea. We are right smack dab in the middle of the Panhandle and that Big Bend area of Florida. And right now, this is the Gulf right behind me. The wind is really starting to pick up. And finally, for the first time today, I can feel cool air rushing behind me. So we know that that storm is really close by. Uh, right now, where we are is in an evacuation zone, meaning people must leave their homes here. And it's been really mixed. There have been people who have been leaving. 
Uh, it is a small town, but it's also a lot of people are boarding up. They're taking their boats out of the water, uh, put, putting stand, sandbags in front of their storefronts, uh, and just doing all the preps that they usually would to ride out the storm. In fact, I spoke to one gentleman who says that he always stays and rides out the storm, and this time is no different. Uh, I wonder if we have his comment here, if we could take a listen. I don't normally leave. I, I might regret it, but uh, I try to stay with it. You you're know? staying here this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure am. You hope you're not going to regret it. <laughs> Hoping not. Uh, you know, it's probably, it's probably a numbers game. Uh, in my neighborhood, uh, we haven't had any destruction in, in years. Could be that that time's running out. And Leland, I want to point this out to you. Uh, the gentleman I spoke to just there showed me this. Uh, we are underneath a local restaurant here right in Panacea, and they lifted this after Hurricane Dennis because that is the height of the storm surge that came through and flooded and ruined the original restaurant. Now it's built on steel and concrete. And I'm not very tall. I'm five foot two, but it is double my height. Uh, uh -huh. So that is about a 10-foot storm, storm surge, mm. uh, which is what we're expected to see in this area. Uh, so that, if you can imagine, is what it's going to be yeah. like. We'll be completely underwater in just a few hours here, Leland. Yeah, and already uh, we're talking about exactly how the storm is going to track. Panacea, as I'm looking at it, is on what they call the dirty side of the storm. Storms rotate counterclockwise, and they're going to push all the water up and then into the inlets uh, in the Big Bend. Uh, I'm wondering at what point, uh, Stephanie, are you hearing they're going to close the bridges? As I look at Panacea, there's a bridge that heads uh, out now to the Oasis Tiki Hut on Alligator Point, Gulf Breeze, uh, the bridge over 98. Um, when are they closing the bridges and telling people uh, like the gentleman you talked to that they're going to be on their own? You know, that we have yet to find out, Leland. We've actually been down that bridge, up and down it all day. We've been to Alligator Point uh, a couple of times, talking to people, watching them board up. Uh, and it's still open right now. And traffic, while light, is still free-flowing. So when they'll close it, we do notice that there's two state troopers just parked on the other side uh, of this bay here. So maybe they will block it off. Uh, but right now it is free-flowing and people hmm. are leaving and going. So, Yeah, typically they start closing around 35 or 40 miles an hour and then people truly are um, trapped, uh, which uh, if you're, you're on the wrong side of it, it can be a very uh, difficult few hours. All right, Stephanie, and what a great point about, about how high just the water does get, um, and it is the water that kills, oftentimes not the wind. We'll talk to you soon uh, and continue to track Idala as it's barreling towards Florida. Just 11 months after the state was devastated by Hurricane Ian, Naples, Florida, was one of the city's hardest hit by that storm, and it suffered major flooding. Uh, that was the firehouse. There were times the firehouses had uh, water up to the engines. Uh, in there, joining us now, the mayor of Naples, Teresa Heitman, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Boy, my, my parents lost a house on Fort Myers Beach. Um, girlfriend's parents' house was flooded in Naples, so I know exactly um, what memories this brings back um, for you and for so many. Let's look forward here. What is your advice for the mayors of Panacea, uh, for Gulf Breeze, Alligator Point, St. Teresa, all these towns, Cedar Key, that are about to go through what you all went through a year ago? Uh, to make sure you have very good communication um, you know, we sent out a lot of the updates last year, but um, texting, 
uh, people were receiving texting and phone calls. So that's really important. Uh, emails, because uh, as many as you can get out prior to electricity going down, um, people should be prepared by now. They know it. If they're staying, they're staying. And if not, do not try and go out in the middle of a storm. The flooding is dangerous. And uh, we know very well how many cars we lost with people trying to leave at the last minute. So um, they're prepared. They need to stay put. You know, what we learned from Hurricane Ian was sort of the concept of the perfect storm, of the storm surge on the dirty side of the storm pushing up into areas where the water couldn't go anywhere. Very different than a storm uh, just sort of coming ashore uh, dead on to the shore as it goes up and pushes the water in as it did uh, Fort Myers Beach, I think, about Bonita, uh, Bonita Springs, Bonita Beach, and also uh, in Naples. Uh, North, North Florida, the Big Bend, has not seen a storm like this with this kind of storm surge that's going to push, push up into it. Do you think people really understand, did you understand, um, what, what the power of 10 to 15 feet of storm surge could do? Well, I've lived in Florida all of my life, and I have seen uh, many hurricanes, but I had no idea uh, the destruction that water can actually do. Uh, you can see behind me on our emblem, the uh, pier was destroyed. Uh, and when the water came, it came fast and furious. And it's devastating. Um, it, it's not uh, something that you can be prepared for because when it comes rushing at you, uh, you just need to make sure you're in safe ground. Uh, it's concern last year. Uh, we didn't even think we were in the comb. Um, so this time, you know, you, we weren't in the cone, but it does create anxiety because you want to be prepared. Um, uh, hurricanes are unpredictable. So uh, we were ready uh, just in case something happened like last year where it was headed up uh, to Tampa and it actually hit uh, Fort Myers and we got the dirty end of the storm. Yeah, I remember. I think we, you and I talked. You were in the firehouse at uh, at one point as the water as the water was rising up. It was some scary moments. I, I, I it happens every time. I've covered a lot of hurricanes in Florida. I used to live there. Uh, I think about the the person Stephanie interviewed. There's a lot of them um, who say I'm not leaving. I I've, I've been riding out X number of you know dozens of storms. Who who cares? I'm going to stay. And I think about all of the people, and you and I talked about it last year, who were calling 911 in the middle of the storm as the water was rising uh, that couldn't be saved last year. Uh, and you just, I, you just hope that, that folks we interview now um, aren't among them. I agree. And the biggest concern now is that they, after the storm, not to walk in those floodwaters um, because it's dangerous. And also the fact that um, there could be down lines, uh, there could be sludge or sewage um, from backups in the streets. So, you know, people want to go out and see and assess what's happened. But it's most important that we let the first responders get out, assess the situation before they ever go back out onto the streets after the hurricane. That was a big lesson. Yeah, yeah, we're putting up some of the video uh, of houses floating down streets in Naples. I know you remember that. I remember uh, talking to, to talking to firefighters, sheriffs who were getting 911 calls and and having to tell people you're on your own. So we we really hope that oh, you know that that's going to end up happening again. Um, hope doesn't really help. Uh, uh, Mayor, it's it's appreciate really appreciate your time. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right.
Now to news out of Washington, new developments in the Hunter Biden investigation. The National Archives says it has over 5,000 emails from then Vice President Biden. He used several aliases. Those emails included communications with Hunter Biden. And now the Southeastern Legal Fund is suing the archives for those emails. News Nation Chief Washington Correspondent Blake Berman at the White House with more. So to be clear, emails from Joe Biden, but they didn't say they were from Joe Biden. They were from some other people. It was uh, emails from the then Vice President Joe Biden, um, pseudonyms that were being used uh, by, by Joe Biden at the time. He was the Vice President, emails that he was sending. The Southeastern Legal Fund, as you mentioned, they're the group behind this. They are now saying uh, that the National Archives has told them that there's somewhere in the area north of some 5,000 emails that were sent using these pseudonyms. Now they are suing the National Archives saying, look, Make these 5,000-plus emails public. Here's part of the statement, Leland, from this organization, uh, the SLF. They say, quote, The only way to preserve, preserve governmental integrity is for NARA, that's the National Archives, to release Biden's nearly 5,400 emails to SLF and thus the public. The American public deserves to know what is in them. Now, here's one direction this story heads, Leland. The head of the House Oversight Committee, Congressman James Comer, says some of those emails involve hunter biden for example he points to a may 6 uh, may 2016 call that the then vice president had with ukraine's president comer wrote to the national archives earlier this month the following he said quote it is concerning to the committee that this document was sent to robert l peters a pseudonym, a pseudonym that the committee has identified as then vice president biden additionally the committee questions why the then vice president's son hunter biden and only hunter biden was copied on this email to then vice president biden now this is the text leland of the email to the vice president with hunter biden cc'd on it the day before the call you can see it here uh text on your screen it discussed the upcoming call with the ukrainian president along with an event in rhode island and the commencement address in Delaware. Joe and Hunter Biden, by the way, were also scheduled to spend time at their lake house together. So that is the email uh, that James Comer is referencing. Here is how the White House responded today in all this. Ian Sands, as you know, he handles legal matters for the White House. He posted the following on Twitter, quote, just when you think the House GOP shenanigans can't get dumber, they start fussing about email pseudonyms. Newsflash, Government leaders for decades have used aliases to avoid spam and hacking. Did they think he was just Joe.Biden at LOL? Wonder what some congressmen's email are. Either way, Leland, this, of course, uh, brings the House Republican investigation into the forefront saying, hey, look, uh, the then vice president and pseudonyms were used with the emails. We want to get to the bottom of this. The White House uh, defending the president saying top government officials for years now have used pseudonyms with their emails for uh, legit purposes. Both sides to it here, but it goes back to Hunter Biden, what the then vice president knew, and Hunter Biden's business dealings, of course. Leland. Well, in Washington, it's normally what did the president know and when did he know it? Now, what did the vice president know? When did he know it and what did he say about it? Uh, Blake, thank you very much. Obviously, we, we hope to get the emails at some point. Until then, we can uh, sort of speculate as what might be in them and what problems it could cause. Uh, Emily Miller, to you, uh, to be, you worked in government. To be fair, that typically it's cabinet secretaries and others do have a uh, unguessable email address. Um, is this different? 
Well, I was a deputy press secretary at the State Department, worked for Colin Powell when he was secretary of state. And there was a huge brouhaha after he left because he was using his AOL account at the time to send emails to me, like, to all of us in government, and that's how they were traceable. And there was that was supposedly so outrageous because so it's okay, but it is actually normal and okay to have another account. It's just we are questioning where these these the only reason the archives has them is because you're sending them to other people in the government. So that means that they should be released. Is my point in all this? Is then we can't just say on it now. He was vice president what eight years ago that we these emails exist. They should have been released and they, they need to be released. There's this whole thing though with Republicans. First it was Hillary and but her emails. Now it's Biden and but his emails. It's a search for a crime rather than uh, actual search for the truth. And I think Republicans are really going to deal with overreach as we head into the 2024 election because they continue to focus on things that voters aren't focused on. They don't really care about this Hunter Biden uh, question. There hasn't been anything found. They've been searching for four plus years, still have nothing. And so I think at the end of the day, you're really going to see Republicans get punished at the polls. But it's even worse than that, though. Not only not four years, five years, but the real issue is it's an investigation looking for a problem. Mm -hmm. Usually you see some problems and then let's investigate and find more. Here it's been over investigated by the GOP prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And now the Republicans on the Hill are angry because um, the GOP prosecutor, they, they yelled and screamed that he should be a special prosecutor. The whistleblower said he couldn't get special prosecutor status. And so the DOJ, the Democratic DOJ, gave him special, prosec- so, special prosecutor status, and now Comer and, and the others, conservatives on the Hill, are mad about that, and they want him removed and someone else placed there. So you guys there. think See, it's completely normal that the vice president has these pseudo-accounts, these fake accounts, and the American public does not have access to them? Well, the American public does have access to they, them. They, they have not John, been released. They could tr- release Donald them Trump, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, but, I, but again, where's the beef? What if they believe the president did? We know what we Hunter know, we, did or didn't do, but what do? Tell me, we tell still me the don't top three things did, that that, that Joe Biden did as we vice president. We do know that Hunter that you Biden want to investigate. millions of I'd dollars like to know, from but, foreign interests. Well, you know what, what we have here, and I'm going to disagree with you. What okay. we have here is a problem that is raising troubling questions that deserve to be answered. And the Hill Republicans are using every tool in their toolbox trying to get those answers. If there's nothing to hide, then the Bidens should provide the documents and sit down for the testimony. But it's something that's Hold on, hold on, hold on. But what we're looking at here with what Blake just reported on, why isn't that raising national security concerns when we've got Hunter Biden on an email about a communication with a foreign leader? Hold on, hold on. on, on. The secure comms. Civilians on that type of communication, I think, raises troubling questions. Why would Hunter Biden be on that communication? Why would there be millions of dollars flowing from Ukrainian and, interests well, into and Hunter Biden? Uh, uh, investigate why Hunter doc- Biden is on an email on, time out. Wait, wait, scheduling Jared, a call no, with the Ukrainian fit, president. Jared you want to Scott, I just want to ask this in a form of a question. What possible reason would the pre- the vice president's son, who uh, allegedly had no contact with his father about his foreign interest dealings, what possible reason would it be for his son to be on an email about a sensitive phone call with the vice president of the United States that he was going to be on? If, Donald, if one of Donald Trump's kids was on an email 
about a call with a world leader, That's you'd want to know about it. Not really, because his kids worked in the White House well, quite a bit. I don't know why. I don't know why, but it certainly doesn't merit a congressional investigation because his son was on an email. The email was a scheduling email. It legitimately merits a congressional investigation. And don't do the what about thing. No, 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 because Jared Kushner used WhatsApp to talk to MBS, and there seems to be no energy for where the investigations are for that. And then he received $2 billion when he left uh, office. That is an entire... Okay, so it, we're, like, we're, but if Hunter Biden was going to be involved in the foreign policy of the Obama administration through the then-Vice President Biden, but he put him through the security the clearance process, give him a security clearance, and do it. But the focus is on Joe should go into government. The focus is on Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who's the President of the United States, is the focus here. was not the President of the United States. He was the Vice President in the case of these Gmail accounts that he's citing. That is a legitimate issue. He's the President of the United States. States. So release him. No, it's fine. Release well, him. Why, why, why do we open him? Release him. You release the 5,400 so. emails, and if there's nothing oh, there, gosh. there's nothing there. <laughs> well, it's what his email. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure we solved looking. anything, but I would say that there's a lot of conversation here, yeah. which is a good thing. Coming up. <laughs> Religion and politics. Uh, two things you're not supposed to talk about at the dinner table. Pope Francis is making headlines why he's blasting some conservatives in the U.S. Catholic Church. It's a little strange to me, though, because during the pandemic, everyone knows church attendance went way down, except for the Catholics. They stayed open. They their church is open and their attendance is good. So it's a strange time for me to see Catholic American Catholics and the Pope fighting each other publicly when they're they're actually the ones leading in the in America they're the ones who have the best attendance and they've survived the pandemic best while all churches attendance has gone down. Let me ask you sort of a larger question, guys. Right, that the institutions that sort of we've all believed in for a long time and have been part of sort of cultural touchstones in America, right? Uh, whether it be the church, whether it be sports teams, whether it be sort of interactions in neighborhoods where people would go and knock on doors and be with each other. All of those went down during the pandemic, but they were on the decline slowly, then very quickly. Has politics and ideology sort of replaced all of these other parts of American life? I think what has happened is religion and faith has been weaponized uh, in our political discourse. I'm a person of faith. I think Democrats often aren't comfortable talking about their faith. But look, my faith guides my life. It is an important principle in how I make my decisions. And I think that Democrats don't do enough in talking about faith and how that affects their decision making, how that affects their policy, how that affects who they are. And I think Republicans have really been really good at monopolizing religion in a way that Democrats haven't been able to push Reason, that message. Yeah, reasons I, for leaving wait. previous religious affiliations, uh, stop believing in religious teachings, 56 percent. Negative religious teachings about treatment of LGBTQ plus people, 30%. Family was never that religious growing up, 30%. Uh, church or congregation became too political, only 17%. Bill, this, this feels like it would be unhelpful for Republicans with swing voters. Look, I think that faith does play an important part of politics, especially Republican politics. I don't disagree with that at all. But as a practicing Catholic... I think this is an important conversation happening within the church because there's been a lot of reforms that have been put forward, but there's a very significant segment of the Catholic population in America that do, that do want to cling to the eternal truths that they believe that the church has stood for. 
um, over time. This is something that's going to continue to evolve. We've, anybody who has studied the history of the Catholic Church understands that the institutions of the church, including the papacy, has evolved over time um, as civilization has changed. And I think this conversation is going to continue. I do believe that there is going to be a conservative revival within this, whether it's the Latin Mass, well, Opus Dei has become very popular in some segments of the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that there are some efforts to make Catholicism more accessible to the general population at large so that it brings in some of the local, um, uh, uh, not beliefs, but um, kind of customs yeah. to help make it more familiar and accessible. Modernizing it. Very, yeah. very quickly, I'm a practicing Catholic, but it's up to the Pope, right? Uh, he's a Jesuit from the Jesuit order. They're the social activists in the Catholic Church. So his focus on social justice and this political ideology, that's really what he's talking about, has got to be taken into account because it ebbs and flows based on the leadership in the church. And the one thing that the Jesuit order has done very well is education. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that the way to expand the Catholic faith, if it's going to happen, is going to be through the education process, through the Jesuit schools and the other Catholics. Especially in cities. No. Yeah. School of choice is starting to do that. Uh, uh, no, it, it, yeah. just, it just is what it is. It is. Uh, coming and up, he says America doesn't want a 2020 rematch, and he wants to give voters another choice. Former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan with us about whether a third-party option just gives the race to Donald Trump. All right, welcome back. Former Republican Governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, says he is disgusted uh, because most of the candidates during last week's Republican presidential debate said they would still support Donald Trump even if he is convicted of criminal charges. Hogan is the co-chairman of the nonpartisan group No Labels that may or may not support a third-party presidential candidate in 2024. Uh, And he joins us now. So there you go. Disgusted? Well, I was disgusted. You know, they, that was a response to a question about when they all raised their hands. Uh, you know, it's, it wasn't <clears throat> it was the fact that they said even if he was convicted of a felony, that they would still support him for president. And I just happen to believe, you know, everybody's entitled. He's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, there's no question there's been some o- overzealous uh, prosecution. I understand all the concerns. But if he's found guilty of, of felonies in most states, you can't even vote or serve on a jury, you certainly don't get to sit in the White House. And I just thought that was a mistake. And I was, as a lifelong Republican, a guy that came up through Reagan, I, I just didn't understand how you how somebody could make that commitment without even hearing the trial or the evidence or knowing what he was convicted of. Fair, fair enough. I guess the, the flip side of that would be as if the founders, in their infinite wisdom, had felt as though a felony conviction was disqualifying, they would have put it in the yeah. Constitution. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, I go back to my dad was the first Republican on the House Judiciary Committee during the impeachment of Nixon to come out. Mm-hmm. For, and he wasn't convicted of a felony, but he, he, he left the presidency. Well, that's <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough. I think about what you're trying to do at No Labels. Uh, current ballot access, Alaska, Oregon, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arkansas. Uh, nowhere close to, if you win all of them, 270. Sure. Uh, number one. And number two, realistically speaking, only a couple of them, even with an option, uh, realistically, to to pick up any kind of wins um, in what uh, I guess North Carolina and Florida, although that's not on our map. So there you go, a couple of extras that got added since this map. Mm-hmm. What is the what is the game plan here? Well, first of all, it's not my game plan. I, I, I'm an honorary uh, co-chair, and I've been involved. Well, your name's in, attached to it. So, I've been involved in the yeah. group for about three years. It really had nothing to do with this particular effort. You know, it's been around for. 
13 years. And what uh, the organization is really focused about is trying to get things done and get people to reach across the aisle and come up with, you know, common sense solutions. There's a big hunger for that. I mean, there are people all across the country that are frustrated with both parties, that they feel that Washington is broken. And polls overwhelmingly show that people are interested in the possibility. This is not something that's they've, they've decided on, but it's a, in case of emergency, break glass insurance policy to say maybe we have to, depending on where we are next spring, uh, provide a third option because a, a vast majority of people in America, nearly two-thirds, do not want Joe Biden or Donald Trump to be president. I think it's more than two-thirds. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, no, no, as we said back in the Middle East, I have two choices, both of which are bitter yeah. um, in this in this. That's, that's the way course. a lot of people feel right now about this election. No, the, 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 the same fits. But uh, GOP RCP latest average, Donald Trump 54%, Ron DeSantis 13%, Vivek Ramaswamy 8%. Uh, none of them seem to be chipping away at Donald Trump's yeah. uh, former belief, even in the polling after the Georgia indictment. Uh, very little is learned in the second kick of a mule. It doesn't seem as though there's anything really that's going to shake Trump's lead. You say if, if in the event of emergency, break glass on and on and on. What could change between now and then that would that would be so materially changing of an emergency right. nature that could happen between now and then? That well, It's a great question. I mean, look, uh, eight months is an eternity in politics, and that's when they're talking about the possibility of doing this after Super Tuesday, sometime in April, after we really know the results of who the two nominees are. At this point in time, I'm really still focused on I'm hopeful that we can find someone other than Donald Trump to r- r- rise up in the in the Republican Party to become the nominee because I'm tired of losing. And I'm a, I'm a guy who's been focused on winning in tough places to win and winning over, you know, swing voters in a Democratic hey, state. Look, you, you, won, you won in Maryland in a, a very, a very, very blue state, one of the few Republicans to do it, one re-election. You've been a very successful governor. Uh, you say you're still focused on finding someone to beat. Donald Trump. Yet it seems as though there's so little appetite in the Republican Party for some real arm twisting. Yeah. And I'm talking about sort of the we're going to cut off your fa- funding. You're not going to get any board seats. Yeah. If you don't get out of the race now, uh, there's going to be problems. That's not happening in the Republican Party to, to get that one on one possibility. Well, I think the Republican Party in general is behind Donald Trump. And so the, the, the apparatus is not focused on that. But there are a lot of people uh, myself included, who other former governors and some Republican leaders who really do want to find someone to get behind and that are going, are weighing in, having discussions with candidates. And I think it is going to narrow. I mean, we, 11 people are not together running. Well, Francis Suarez be, got out today. I mean, no, no. Well, there, there's a start. You know, there's one. Uh, we've, got, <laughs> okay. we, we've got to get it narrowed down to uh, really you have four or five instead of, uh, you know, 10 or 11. All right. Sounds good. Governor, it's good to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. When you when you want to announce for Senate, come back, all right? Okay. You're welcome back anytime between now and then. But Hopefully I'll come back before that. All right, you will. <laughs> all right. Coming up, our panel breaks down what we just heard from Governor Hogan here, plus inside the Afghanistan exit. Two years since U.S. troops left that country. President Biden's never recovered. What that says about America's view of foreign policy. and to change things up. Get messy. Get immersed. With Lovesack, you make the rules. 
pretzel fanatics are freaking out. Give your taste buds a twist. We at pretzels.com freshly bake over 45 varieties of chef-crafted gourmet pretzels in the heart of Pennsylvania. Get a new twist for someone you love or yourself at pretzels.com. Back in my day, we didn't have all these types of fancy chicken. Pretty sure you have buffalo wings and fried chicken. Well, we didn't have garlic farm or sweet bourbon barbecue. And he had to walk uphill both ways. And it snowed every time. Yeah, right, Grandpa. You're from Miami. <laughs> Tonight on News Nation, two missing women in the same Colorado resort town. The mother of one talks to Banfield with the latest on the search. Plus, the Suffolk County Sheriff joins Ashley as the department builds its case against the accused Gilgo Beach serial killer. Tonight on Banfield. All right, before the break, we heard from former Governor Larry Hogan, one of the co-chairmen of the centrist group No Labels, uh, about whether or not uh, to field a third-party candidate. Uh, All right, Scott. Look, you know, the best time to plant an oak tree is 10 years ago. The second best time is today. If they were serious about this, mm-hmm. wouldn't today, not April, be the best time to get in? Yeah, probably. But, you know, No Labels has a lot of money behind it. Uh, not all Democratic money. Harlan some would argue. Crow. Some, pardon me? Harlan Crow. Yeah, uh, some Republican money. I've heard uh, of him. But, yeah, yeah. But, but that being said, the statistics that say the voting population doesn't want Donald Trump or Biden. That's one thing. But if given the choice, they're going to make a vote for the Republican or Democratic candidate. The third party, I don't care if there's a Republican at the top of the ticket, I'm not convinced Donald Trump's going to be there. And I think it hurts the Democrats more than the Republicans. And so we'll just have to see. But I don't think at the end... I don't see how they don't play spoiler if they do register in those states and get a candidate. Well, by definition, they're going to play spoiler unless they win, which, yeah. at least based on the but number of ballots. they can choose not to on, field a candidate, right, too. based on the number right. of... But, Bill, let, let me flip this around just, just a little bit. Typically, even any moderately successful third-party run started with an extraordinarily popular person, Pat Buchanan, who, who began with a mute movement... Well, you'd say this, Teddy Kennedy. Stein, no, but Teddy Kennedy, Ross, Ross Perot. Nader. All the, well, and also there was a time that Donald Trump was going to think about running if he didn't, is a third party in 2016, if he didn't win the nomination. I guess it'd be, has there ever been a concept of, all right, we're going to go out and search for a candidate rather than we're going to have this very popular movement and create a party around him? No, I, I mean... One of the things, I mean, you're right. Typically, there's going to be a movement, a galvanizing issue that really organizes the third party movement um, where they're going to try to put somebody on the ballot. You know, they're in a what, five or six states. And in order to be able to get on the other states, they're going to have to do a very uh, cumbersome and expensive petition process to try and gain general election uh, uh, ballot access. That is in itself needs to have a galvanizing force behind it uh, with some energy to get the volunteers to do it and the people to sign the petitions. Um, I do think right now, given the unfavorables of both the front runners, um, people may be misinterpreting it that there is some oxygen in the room for a third party candidacy. I do think that a no labels candidacy plus Cornell West, um, who's running on the Green Party and some of the others, I think it really does inert the Republicans benefit. Uh, given their uh, ballot access already in the Green Party. I think it helps the Republican ticket more than it hurts. Uh, Third-party right. candidates always always help the the Republican candidate, whether it's Jill Stein, whether well, it's... Well, you could oh, oh, yeah, say you could ask George H.W. Bush about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he may have a different feeling. It's been two years since U.S. troops withdrew from Afghanistan. On Capitol Hill today, family members of the service members killed in the suicide bombing at the Kabul airport during the withdrawal shared 
their somewhat significant grievances. I want to know why this current administration isn't able to take responsibility for their actions in the days, the weeks, and the months leading up to this fatal, fateful day. Nicole and the other heroes who evacuated over 120,000 allies did not have any part in starting this war, but they gave their very last breath to see it to the end. All right, we're also getting new insight into the Biden administration's actions leading up to and during the withdrawal, a new book to be released next week. The last politician inside Joe Biden's White House in the struggle for American future promises an insider account of the first two years of the Biden administration. An excerpt published from the book in The Atlantic Today reads in part, in fact, everything he'd witnessed from his seat in the Situation Room confirmed his belief that exiting a war without hope was the best and only course. So much of the commentary felt overheated to him. He said to an aide, either the press is losing its mind or I am. Uh, Emily, two years later, does that have a different meaning? I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm just disgusted by that comment. Um, I interviewed Darren, Darren Hoover, who you just saw speak today on the Hill. I interviewed him last week into my Substack stack, EmilyPostNews.com. Um, I've been talking to these Gold Star families for two years. This administration could have stopped that bombing from what they understand. And they want answers. And they want to know why their children were killed in war. And they're not going to stop. Now they've gone public about it. And they are going to continue to go public until they get answers. This administration pulled out prematurely. They could have stopped this bombing. It looks, it seems like. And as Darren Hoover said to me, Joe Biden has never said my son's name publicly. He's never said any of their names publicly. And the people wonder why this is still hanging around his neck, the president's neck, is because he has never apologized and he has never said what he, the truth. And uh, these Gold Star families, now they're going on the Hill and they're going in public and we're going to need more answers and we should have it by the time we have an election. Scott, you can look at a chart of President Biden's approval numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top was just before <coughs> Afghanistan. And then the, the bottom fell out and he has never been able to recover after that. Uh, you can order, argue correlation or causation, but does Emily have a point that there needs to be a reckoning about this? Well, I, I think she's absolutely right about the tragedy that has been uh, suffered. The Democrats with the Biden administration could have done a much better job of that. I mean, the optics themselves are undeniable when you saw the plane and the people who died trying to leave Afghanistan. I never understood what the rush was, and we even telegraphed we were leaving which meant the Taliban <clears throat> was on the march, if yep. you will. Yep. And and then the bombing came. Now, I don't know what the evidence is that we knew about and then we could have stopped it, but how it was handled. There was a lot of evidence. We knew where the bomber we knew was, it was. Okay. And, and decided not to go after him because of yeah, there were uh, Taliban the, members. the Taliban uh, yeah. might so fear us. So gotta I just be want better. to get, just get back to President Biden's comment. Um, In fact, everything he'd witnessed from his seat in the Situation Room confirmed his belief that exiting a war without hope was the best and only course. Um, A war without hope. I'm wondering if right now there's a lot of people, uh, Bill, who could apply that to the war in Ukraine. I think there are. um, But more importantly, if you think about the blood and treasure that we spend in Afghanistan uh, to characterize that after we went in there after 9-11 to basically neutralize a threat to the Mm -hmm. homeland. Um, I think that there are a lot of veterans who felt betrayed, um, who sacrificed their bodies, um, who have mental and uh, physical scars coming from that. To see the exit from Afghanistan 
as botched as it was to cost an additional 13 American lives, I think is something that this administration really does need to be transparent with these families about, especially given some of the evidence that's coming out from this book and others, um, that there was some warning that a bombing could be happening and that they didn't take the action or authorize the action necessary to protect the American service members over there, the war fighters, but also the civilians who supported the United States and Afghanistan as they tried to get out. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal, we got to run, but the Wall Street Journal today has an incredible piece about people who risk their lives during the war who are for the United States who are yes, still so still true. stuck. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you I, they, they're texting me because I know I've been covering this for 2 years and I to today got a text from Afghanistan you left us behind. He worked for the CIA for 20 years lived on one of our yeah. air force bases. And, and could it be we a reason that behind. recruitment is down in the armed services? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, there's a there's a lot there, there's a lot there's of a lot there there's a lot there's the least work. We got to run. Right. Uh, for the first time ever scientists are suggesting that life beyond earth could be possible. Harvard astrophysics professor Dr. Avi Loeb says pieces of a meteor retrieved from the Pacific Ocean are not from our solar system. Take a listen. These are less than a millimeter in size, uh, roughly the size of a grain of sand. Uh, We collected by now uh, 700 of them. We found uh, some uh, spheros that had very unique um, uh, making, composition. It's not similar to what we find here in the solar system. All right, so Dr. Loeb joins Elizabeth Vargas tonight. So when it says meteor from not from our solar system, we don't know whether these things were made by some being or whether they just occurred naturally and then somehow ended up crashing into Earth. Precisely. That's the most important question I'm planning on asking Avi Loeb when he appears on our show in just a few moments to announce the results of this investigation. They've been studying this, this entire team. He's going to announce what the results are, but we do know that the big headline is that they have confirmed that this meteor that crashed into the Pacific Ocean in 2014 came from outside this solar system. The materials that they were able to recover from the bottom of the Pacific Ocean in June, uh, they have now studied and confirmed that they, they do not come from this solar system. So. The big question now is, is it a natural material, which I don't even know if it's outside our solar system, how we we deduce that, or something created by a, a, a being of some sort, an intelligent uh, life form of some sort, because that would obviously uh, be a huge headline that there is life outside this solar system. But it's interesting that this is the first time they've ever been able to study material, biologic material that actually comes from outside the solar system. We'll be talking to Avi Loeb about his conclusions that he is releasing just today, coming up in just a few minutes. Very cool. And, and so telling that Avi Loeb for so long was sort of ostracized by the yeah, scientific ridiculed. community for this. And now, he was ridiculed. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And now and now he's uh, he's getting justice. All right. Elizabeth Vargas reports after the Hill just a few minutes from now, 6 p.m. Eastern with that coming up. You might need a bigger boat. That's what happens when you catch a 14 foot, 800 pound alligator. I want some new boots. Anybody in? <laughs> Dear hero, whoever you are, you save lives. I live with sickle cell and the pain and the issues that come along with sickle cell every day. I'm most grateful that people are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. 
Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Ma, is this how you feed a hamster? Uh, I think so. Is my homework right? Hmm, I think so. Is, uh, this milk still good? Uh, I think so. When it comes to parenting, sometimes it's okay to think you know. But when it's something as important as your child's car seat, don't just think. No. Double-check if your child is in the right seat for their age and size. It'll help protect them in a car crash. Don't just think. No. By visiting nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Stevenson University Online offers teachers and career changers the credentials they need to advance as educational leaders with master's and certificate programs in STEM teaching, community-based education and leadership, and literacy education. No GRE required. Accepting applications now are for our next MAT cohort. Let Stevenson University be your partner for professional success. Visit online.stevenson.edu. Thanks for listening to News Nation on the Go. I'm Leland Vitter, delivering fact-based, unbiased news from all sides. Successful legal careers start at Stevenson University. Our bachelor's degree in legal studies is approved by the American Bar Association. And with expert faculty who are attorneys themselves, an award-winning mock trial team, and a state-of-the-art mock trial courtroom, you can see why our graduates attend top law schools and go on to successful careers. It's a great day to be a Stevenson Mustang. See why. Schedule your visit at stevenson.edu slash tour su. In the early hours after the tsunami, it was ham radio that was on the air, saving lives. When Florida was ripped by hurricanes, the hams were there. In the critical moments after the attack of 9-11, it was the hams who coordinated emergency messages. When disasters strike, the hams are ready. Ham radio works when other communications don't. To learn how you can become a ham radio operator, call the ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio, at 1-800-326-3942. My daughter was diagnosed with a rare malignant rhabdoid tumor on the spine. They sent her straight to St. Jude. My hope was gone. But when you get there, everyone's like, hey, we're not going to give up. And when you see other people not giving up on your child, that makes all the difference in the world. When I found out I didn't have to pay, I was just grateful. They saved my baby's life. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. I'm here in my living room, peering through my mini blinds at a man who's sawing off something under my neighbor's car. <sighs> yep, this guy's stealing catalytic converters. And if you report thieves like him, you could get a reward up to $25,000. 
Just submit a confidential tip at heatreward.com or call 1-800-947-HEAT. That's H-E-A-T. The Virginia State Police Heat Program. Reported. Rewarded. You know that old joke about I once caught a fish this this big? Well, four alligators, four hunters killed an alligator. Four alligators killed a hunter. That would be saying something. But the largest <laughs> alligator in Mississippi ever. 14 feet long, wow. 802 pounds. Girl. One of the hunters Yikes. involved said it took seven hours to capture the reptile. How many boots do you think that makes? That thing's a dinosaur. That is, that is a <laughs> dinosaur. That is not just a normal well, you, so What do y'all said? Someone's that- going to say this is climate change, right? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that alligators just keep getting bigger. They just keep eating. Yeah, they, bigger they, bigger. they don't. I mean, I watch a lot of animal shows. Uh-huh. And, animal and they don't planet. keep getting bigger? They, yeah, they do keep getting bigger. They don't stop yeah. growing. They just eat. And I, eat. You know what's funny? I don't stop growing either. I keep getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger, too. Thank you, Uber. But how do you hide a 14-foot alligator that's 800 pounds? It's almost impossible given that pythons have invaded this, the invasive species in the Everglades and what You do it. watch way too many young shows, okay? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> this is important stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kind of. Chris Cuomo will be on on balance with his thoughts about it, too. Um, the Hill on News Nation will be back tomorrow at 5 p.m. Here's Elizabeth. All right. Hurricane Adalia is now a Category 2 storm heading straight for the Florida Gulf Coast and gaining strength from 90-degree waters.